Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. Well, I'm with um, Des McHale again in uh, sunny Cork, and we're in his uh, room full of books, stacked with books. And uh, how do you know what's where, Des, anywhere? Well, I can lay my hand in anything quite easily, you know, I mean, it's uh, because they're not catalogued. I mean, if they're all catalogued various places, you'd never find anything. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but books, Samuel Johnson said books are the nicest furniture you can put in any room. It's absolutely true. That's my one vice, collecting books. I mean, it's a, it's a marvellous hobby and uh, I wouldn't swap my library for anything. Okay, library. very good. Well, we're going to revisit a topic we've covered before and uh, there's no um, shame in this. Uh, it's words and we love words. We both love words and we're going to go through some of our favourite words. I'll start by giving you some puzzles from our book, World's Best Word Puzzles. And this has got hundreds of word puzzles. It's a great little book. Um, and here are a few. Uh, I'll give you five to get you going. And I'll give the answers at the end of this podcast. And the first is this. From what word can you remove the last four letters and still pronounce it the same? That's the first question. From what word can you remove the last four letters and still pronounce it the same? Next question. What word contains six letters? Yet if you take away one letter you are left with 12. What word contains six letters? If you take away one letter, you are left with 12. The next question I would give you is this one. What word has a triple letter with no hyphens? So the same letter three times in the body of the word. And next question. What 10 letter word contains five different letters in the first five letters and the same five letters in a different order in its second five letters? That's a pretty tough one, but you can have a go at that. And then finally, I would give you uh, this one. What word has three double letters in a row? What word has three double letters, the same letter repeated, in a row? So if you want to, you can turn off this recording now and have a go at those and write them down, have a go, and then come back to this later. But that's a start. Des, what do you want to talk about? Well, I think words, that we take words for granted, but all over the world, everybody has to use words and communicate. First of all, you have so many different languages, which is, is interesting. But we just could not live, I think, without words. It was one of the greatest inventions ever. And to boil it down in English to 26 letters of the phonetic alphabet was an absolute master stroke. I mean, it's a code that every child has to learn. And I think the mystery of learning words at your mother's knee or at your father's knee is one of the greatest mysteries. No matter what language you speak, then you, you're going to have to learn the language from somebody else. And they say that if a person doesn't learn a language by the age of about 12, then they never will speak properly. Yes. Child is brought up in isolation or something like that. So it's a great mystery, but it's a wonderful gift to have. And I think, you know, we should use words carefully. We should use words for the good. And, you know, you can be aggressive with words, or you can be kind with words, but it's still a marvellous mechanism. But you should be precise with words. Words have specific meanings, which change over time, admittedly. Mm -hmm. But you can use words to exactly convey the precise meaning that you want. 
and yet many people use them in vague ways and they put like into every other word in the sentence and and they stumble through and and their communication skills are poor because they're not using the tools of the language which are there for everybody to use they're free there's no charge to use precise words yeah and i mean i don't think elocution is taught any longer in school it's not just elocution i don't think the sort of the use of words or the ability i think if a young person joins a debating club or takes part in debate that is a wonderful training because Mm. you're using words under pressure and you're trying to win you're trying to beat somebody else with words and i think that's something i I would encourage quite a bit some people just are hopeless at debating and they're hopeless at talking then and then all through life they've got to communicate either with emails or written talks written uh, pieces of work or speeches and if they can use the right words, they're so much more effective than if they don't. Yes. So I'm going to quote from a book I found on one of your shelves, The Wits Dictionary by Colin Bowles, which is an old book. And I picked it up because I just wanted to have a look. You've got a marvellous collection of yeah. books of humour and words. And it's, it's, they're all facetious definitions, alternative definitions of words. Um, and here are some that appeal to me. Thrift is defined as the most wonderful virtue of any ancestor. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I like that. Very true. And um and the paratrooper, you know. A paratrooper, yes. A paratrooper <laughs> is a soldier who climbs down trees he never climbed up. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> and it's true. But also this is a quote. There are some quotes in here. This one from Samuel Johnson, marvellous, marvellous man, Samuel Johnson. To remarry the triumph of hope over experience. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> so those are great ones. But there was one I thought which was, there's, there was one which was serious and, and powerful. Sometimes you see something and you say, that's caught something which is important and it's the definition of competition. And I think you could teach this in business school and other places. The battle in which incompetence dies. That's competition. Very nice. very nice. And a, a real market advocate, Milton yeah. Friedman would love that sort of definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. I'm a follower of a, a Canadian pop guru, media specialist called Marshall McLuhan. And he said that uh, he, he was interested in James Joyce because James Joyce is one of the greatest punsters and users of words who ever lived. But he said that your name, he called it your numb, it numbs you and your name typifies you. And if you get a certain name at a certain stage in life, or if you get a nickname that's derogatory, yes. it's almost impossible to live down. And that's why in school, I mean, school children can be very cruel and they call somebody in the class um, uh, by a nickname and that sticks with them for life. And they can be very, very hurtful. I remember in school, my nickname was Horace because I was doing <laughs> Latin and I was the only person in the class with a, a book of Horace's poems, which I used to carry in my pocket. But the name Horace took to me for an awful long time. Well, there's this theory of nominative determinism, which yeah. says that you conform. And if you're called Horace, if you call your child Horace, he will be very studious. And if you call your son Lawrence, there's a good chance to become a lawyer, apparently. Yeah. Or go off to Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Yeah. But James Joyce was, as I say, one of the greatest wordsmiths and uh, punsters of all time. Not necessarily funny, but very, very clever. And... His favourite word was cuspidor, and he thought it was the most beautiful word. And I thought cuspidor was the most beautiful word as well, until I looked it up and saw its meaning and found out that it's an American word for a spittoon, (laughs) which immediately destroys the word. So here's a beautiful word, beautiful to sound, until you find out what its meaning is. So there are hidden connotations there within words, the meaning, the sound, the usage, and we've got to be very careful with some of them. And of course, nowadays we're living in an age of political correctness where you cannot even say certain words. I mean, um, it was typified recently where the people on television were talking about the African country of Niger but they were mispronouncing it in a, an obvious way. And people said, you can't say that. You can't say the name of that country anymore. And, you know, um, 
it's it's just the Latin word for black. Yes. And, you know, you you have to be very, very careful with words. And I think we've attached... Well, someone was penalised in a meeting for using the word niggardly, That's which true. actually has a completely Absolutely, different meaning yeah, from a completely yeah, different yeah, root. Yeah. And yet they uh, people took offence at the use yeah. of that word. Similarly, a, a lady that uh, I heard about, uh, she was a me- medical person and she was a paediatrician. And her house was attacked because people were... <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. They and couldn't tell us between paedophile and paediatrician. No, Isn't that terrible? But I mean, I think that's what it is because people don't do Latin or Greek any longer. They don't know the origins of words. They don't know the meaning of words. And I think that's a pity because, you know, words, it's it's the use of words we're talking about rather than the actual meaning of the word itself. But the derivations of words. I had a Latin teacher who spent all his time telling us about the uh, derivations of words. And I remember one of the things he said was that pecunia was the Latin for money. Yes. But pecus is the Latin for a cow, showing that cows and trading in cows was the very first form of barter and money that they used. And impecunious means not having Absol- money. Absolutely, money, yeah, yeah. yeah. And pecuniary. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the book we wrote together is a collection of our favourite words. I would recommend it to you. It's called 1,234 Wacky, Witty and Wonderful Words. One, two, three, four. Wacky, if you put that into um, Amazon or any other uh, book uh, yeah. site, you'll find it. Well, it was and great it, fun putting it together. It was. It? Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. I'll, I'm going to give you some of the words to show the different things that were in it. Many of the words, we look at the derivation, and the derivation is the interesting part. For example, sardonic means bitter or mockingly scornful. It comes from the Greek sardonios, a plant from Sardinia, which was so bitter that it screwed up the face of the eater. That's so, lovely. Sardonic. But some of the words we put in, I have to admit, are facetious. And one of them is truculent. And the definition we give for truculent is a vehicle that someone borrowed. (laughs) That's not we, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I liked it. All right. And um, some are just informative. So which country has the longest name? The name which is uh, the longest when written out. And this is a question which many people find difficult. Many people get wrong. Uh, what country has the longest name? I think I remember that one. It's what the, is it? The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The United Kingdom of Great Britain. We call it the UK. UK. Yeah. So and we never think of it. And even yeah. if you ask people from the UK which yeah. country has the longest yeah. name, they'll go for the United Arab Emirates or something, uh, but yeah. they won't think of their own country. That's right. So that's in there. I'll give a couple more. But Des, do you want to give us one of your humorous quotations? Well, I started collecting humorous quotations when I was about, I suppose, 16 or 17. And I had a big jot or a big journal. I wrote everything down there. And um, it was it was marvellous because you can get them from radio, from television, from newspapers, from people. And of course, if you're clever, you can make them up yourself. Now, just a word of advice to people. If you make up something yourself, never tell anyone you made it up yourself because they won't laugh. Yeah. Say, I heard this one from a fellow in the pub the other night and then they will laugh. But how do you get credit for it then? <laughs> you have to well, publish it. When you write it down and publish yes. it, maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, I particularly like um, uh, ones about the theatre because the theatrical people can be very bitchy and very nasty to each other and so can theatrical critics. And there was a marvellous review of Hamlet, which goes down as a quote, and it says... Um, he played the king in Hamlet as if he was afraid somebody might play the ace immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely that's very clever. I think they, ha- they have to be clever. They also have to be short. Yes. I find that the average length and the, the ideal length for a, a quotation or a humorous quotation is about 14 words. Yes. Once you go beyond that, you are starting to um, impinge on the person's ability to concentrate. There's one from um, Oscar Wilde. He talked about Lord Mortlake who had only two topics of conversation, his gout and his wife. 
And I never could quite make out which one he was talking about. Yeah. So how many books of quotations have you composed? I think I've done about a dozen books of quotations. I'd say now the, the quotations, the humorous quotations in, in the database there are as big a collection as ever been made. I reckon there are 40,000 quotes. But your series of books, all with the word wit in the title by yeah. Desmond Kale, yeah. are your collection of... and. Would you say your first one was the best, or, or I'd say the first one was the best. Yeah, what's that? But just called wit, is it? Just, just called wit. And uh, but then I decided to go through the forty thousand and pick out the very best of them. So the most recent one I've done is haven't published it yet. It's called Top Wit. Oh, and uh, of Top Wit, I've picked about a thousand quotations that are humorous and I think are really very, very funny. One I like from Arthur Marshall. He talks about going back to his old school, and everybody he's met is happy and smiling. And then I discovered that the school was no longer a school, but a lunatic asylum. <laughs> I think that sort of typifies a lot of people's experience of uh, school life. But of course, it also depends on mood. I mean, there are certain quotations I think are very, very funny, but only in a certain mood. Yes. Yeah. And to pick out one or ten would be very, very difficult. But to pick out a hundred is fairly easily. But you would use them in various situations. And what I'd say to people is, if you want to buy one of these wit books, buy them. And then pass off the quotations as your own. Because nobody's <laughs> not going to know the difference. And I mean, I think you're entitled to do that. Well, as a speaker, I'll often uh, throw in a quotation into a talk. If it's if it's <clears> pertinent <throat> and funny and, and illuminating in some way. You can't use more than one in a talk, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. You can't have lots and lots of quotes. Yeah. But sometimes one... It, it can really help set the scene. Yeah, yeah. I remember a lady I met said, I bought one of your books, she said, on the, this was a serious quotation now, on the basis of just one quotation that I saw on the back cover. And it was about alcoholism. And she said, alcoholism is not a single person game. Sooner or later, all the family gets to play. And that is really bitter. Yeah. And the other one I like very much, and I don't know the origin of this. So if anybody listening knows the origin of this quote, I'd very much like to know. We've tried various people. Even Nigel Reese wasn't able to trace it. And it was... God will forgive your carnal excesses, but your mucous membranes won't. <laughs> and that is just such a powerful quote. It, it, it contrasts the difference between nature and physiology and morality. Morality is one thing, but the body will, you know, if you do certain things, the body will, the body will suffer a certain way. Yeah. And get back at you. So I'm going to give one or two more words from uh, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words. And these are three I've chosen, all from the same page. I've just opened this at random and there are over a thousand words. Uh, Monday is the only day of the week with a single word anagram. It's the only, and the anagram is dynamo. Dynamo is an anagram of Monday. Mm. The next, the next example is mondegreen, and a mondegreen is an interesting word. It's a misheard phrase in a poem or a song. An example is gladly the cross-eyed bear, yeah. being heard as gladly the cross-eyed bear. bear, being the animal. And the word comes from a Scottish poem with the lines, "They have slain the Earl of Moray." and laid him on the green. The second line was regarded as, and Lady Mondegreen, Green, yeah. a non-existent woman. Yeah. Mondegreen is a misheard lyric, yeah. and it happens very often, uh, and it can be very funny. And one more I'll mention, which is another really wonderful word, Mount Weasel. And Mount Weasel, M-O-U-N-T-W-E-A-Z-E-L, is a non-existent word, person, or country, deliberately inserted in a dictionary, biography, or atlas to expose plagiarists. And the source of the term is the fictitious Lillian Mount Weasel, a bogus entry in the fourth edition of the New Columbia Encyclopedia in 1975. Think upon it. Any word here may be a Mount Weasel inserted in this book yeah. to trap you if you're going to copy it's it. True. 
Well, I've actually done it in my books of wit. I've put in a name, a fictitious name. I won't say what it is. Um, but they're my own quotes. And that would be an example of a Mount Wisdom. It would. And then to find them quoted in, in other books exactly under that name. I mean, I know very well they've been pinching for my books. But also, um, it's, it's a good way of tricking your audience. And, you know, why not? Yes. Good. Do you want to give us another of your favourite quotes? Um, it's very, very difficult when, when, when put on the spot. But I think the idea is that if you're in a certain situation, if you're speaking to a certain audience, if you're talking to a certain person, if you find an appropriate quote, that's good. So I don't think quotes are um, intrinsically great or good or bad. They're very suitable for certain situations. And if you're speaking to a, a bunch of... Uh, of, of, of school teachers, for example, it, one definition of education is the inculcation of information into the ignorant by the incompetent. Oh dear. <laughs> That's a, that wouldn't go down with no. teachers. <laughs> but teachers would laugh, you see. Yes. They would, uh, so if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're talking to teachers, you tell student jokes. If you're talking to students, you tell lecturer jokes. You know, if you're talking to men, you tell women jokes and vice versa. And that's the appropriate way because people are biased and they, you know, they would like to have a go with certain people. And that, that's why quotations are very powerful. But again, keep them short, keep them sweet. Yes. They've got to be very, very good before they go beyond, beyond 14 words. Yes. OK, is it OK if I give the answers to those puzzles I yeah, set earlier? not? Because I forget them now. Yes. <laughs> so the first question is, these are all puzzles from World's Best Word Puzzles by Paul Sloan and Des McHale, a short book full of good puzzles. <laughs> From what word can you remove the last four letters and still pronounce it the same? Yeah. Let me see. Is that Q? Yes. Q, right. Q, Q U E U E. And if you take away the last four letters, you're left with the letter Am Q. Amazing word. Which the Americans don't use. They use line That's instead. Right, they yeah. stand in line, not stand in a Q. But the Q, of course, is the French for a tail. Uh, what was the next one I asked you? I asked you this. Uh, this is a, a, a bit of a Wally test question. What word contains six letters? Yet, if you take away one letter, you're with, left with 12. Do you know that one, no, Dave? Can you all remember? I can't remember that. No. <laughs> well, it's a trick question. The word is dozens. Right. It has six letters. And if you take away the last letter, you're left with a dozen, which is 12. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm very glad I didn't remember that one. <laughs> I've got enough useless information in my head already. The next question was, what word has a triple letter with no hyphens? Can you remember this one? No. It's got the letter S three times in the middle of it. Yeah. Headmistress ship. My God. And it's a single word. Headmistress yeah. Yeah. ship. Yeah. Yes, it's an amazing word. The next one, what ten-letter word contains five different letters in its first five letters and the same five letters in a different order in its second five letters? Well, this is a tough one. But in actual fact, in the book, we come up with two solutions. Can you well, remember either? with intestines? Intestines is, is the first yeah, one. Intestines has I-N-T-E-S and then T-I-N-E-S. Very good, very good. The other one is horseshoe. H-O-R-S-E-S-H-O-E-R. -E -E good, I didn't know that one. No. Well, right. you, you must have known. You must. <laughs> one of us suggested it originally. And finally, I think I Repeated asked, letters, is it? Yes. I then, think no, I remember that one. That was, what word has three double letters in a row? Bookkeeper. Bookkeeper. But has, then if you call it a sub-bookkeeper... You'd have, you, four. You'd have four, but yeah. very few dictionaries give sub bookkeeper yeah. as a single word. I think it's yeah. hyphenated, but bookkeeper certainly has double O, double K, double E. Yeah. yeah. So if you like words and you like fascinating words, you like discussing words over the dinner table with your family, this is a great book uh, to add to your collection. World's best yeah. word puzzles, yeah. and also the other book I would recommend: One, Two, Three, Four 
wacky, yeah. witty and wonderful words. Any final thoughts from you, Des? I, I think a, a person is really determined by their vocabulary. And we should... Have you ever thought, how many words do you know? How many words did Shakespeare know? How many words do you use? And for most people, <coughs> it's very few, really. I mean, you can get by with about 2,000 words in ordinary conversation. And Pigeon English has just 1,000 words. I mean, it's supposed to cover nearly all situations that you can do. But I think we should think more about the words that we use. We should use them carefully. We should respect them by pronouncing them carefully and by using them carefully and finding out their meanings. And it's it distinguishes people from animals, that the fact that we can have a vocabulary that can use words. And it's something we should be more aware of. And, you know, we all study Shakespeare and we study poetry and various things at school, but we don't actually think very much about the words we actually use. I think they're very beautiful. They're very useful. It's one of the greatest things. Can you imagine giving up all the words you know in your vocabulary? You, they're, they're, they're precious. They're precious. They're precious, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you.